welcome to. I'm a sophisticated and so can you, the show that engages with the canon so that you don't have to. I'm one of your hosts, Sydney. And I'm another of your hosts, Anthony. <laughs> we are here with a very special guest star today. Indeed, our first returning guest, yeah. our landlord and my wife, Ari. Hello, it's me. <laughs> Hi. And you're here with us to discuss what? Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Yeah. We just, we got to something on the list that Ari wanted to watch. Yeah. Usually I don't want to watch anything. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't really like movies. I don't blame you. A lot of times we don't like them either. That's very true. Yeah. A lot of times we're like, Ari, do you want to sit down and watch Boogie Nights with us? And you're like, I'd rather drill a hole in my head. Yeah. I feel like you watched like half of Goonies. Yeah, I'll sometimes give it a try, but since uh, <laughs> this isn't my homework, I can just feel free to leave when I'm bored. Yeah. That's true. But I didn't leave this one. That's true. No. That's true. We had also talked about it like mm, two weeks ago. We had talked about the fact that none of us had ever really seen this movie, and we were all really excited to watch it. Yeah, so I had seen it. I, I will disclose, this. Ha- it ha- we haven't made it a super priority because I did watch it once um, as a tween child like when it was first to video first to vhs tape yeah i guess because i had seen clue i'm not really sure why like some girl faction socially was like oh my god have you seen this and i was like mom i have to see this or i'm no one on the playground Mm -hmm. um which is wild to me now because it's like pretty raunchy I have also seen it technically, but I believe I was 10 and I was shown it by a male friend of mine who I believe is now gay. He was gay then. He's just (laughs) out now. (laughs) But the only thing he had ever tried to show me before that was horror movie after horror movie and I never had any interest. Mm. And then one day he was like, we gotta watch Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, which is a weird change of pace. Yeah, it definitely is. But it had been like 24 years, so. Okay, yeah, me too. And all I really remember about it is that it was not what I was expecting. I had no idea what to expect. Ari, had you seen it before? I feel like vaguely in the same context as you guys. Yeah. Like at some point in the probably early 2000s, it was like, this is a thing to watch if you're a girl. Yeah. Or as it turns out, a gay man. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested in this. Because I think it was pretty weird of my friends to say that, but I think it's even weirder of your friend to say that. Like, what what was his um, agenda with it? Was he like, watch this because... Um, it's camp? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Watch this because this is how I would like to be dressed. No. Or like, because women are so stupid. No, I. it was... I. I just remember it being like, this was a really fun movie that I recently saw that we should watch. Okay. Okay. A really fun movie. Yeah. I feel like my friend's agenda, whoever it was, the energy I remember around it is like, watch these girls. This is something to make fun of. Like, watch Mm. these girls be idiots. And I just like didn't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just like didn't. But I knew who Lisa Kudrow was because of Friends. Yeah. Same. It feels like, well, it feels like it should really be for me because, like, I currently and at the time loved, like, a mid-90s to early 2000s, like, female-led comedy. Yeah, which is exactly what this is. Clueless and Legally Blonde and Bridget Jones's Diary. Like, I'll watch those on an airplane anytime. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Yeah, I think I thought it was going to be Clueless with two Phoebes. Mm-hmm. And it's not, that's not really what it is. Yeah. And so 10 year old me was so bamboozled by that, that I just like didn't retain any of it. <laughs> yeah. Cause what it is, listeners, if you've never seen it, is the most 90s thing I've ever seen. But also um, very, very strange. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's just a deeply strange movie. No, yes, it was so strange. And I yeah, okay, so let's let's move to the present day. Like my main reaction was like, I wish I could go back and watch this in nineteen ninety seven mm-hmm. but not be nine. Sure. Yes. Because I feel like when you're nine and you watch a movie that just came out on VHS tape, you're like Okay, sure. This is something that movies also are. Like, I I, I have this really vague memory also of, like, 
it not being what I expected, but wanting to cover that, feeling like embarrassed that I hadn't correctly known what it would be from the sleeve and being like, oh, this must be something that like older kid movies, like adult movies, this must just be like a way that movies are that I didn't know to anticipate. And so I should not let anyone know, catch me so indisposed. Yeah. I realized while watching this movie that the version of womanhood that the movie shows is like what my child self of the 90s feared my adulthood would be because I just like don't identify with most of it at all. And looking back, it's like, but that isn't what my personal womanhood of the 2000s and 10s and 20s has been. So that's nice for me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It also was wild to start the movie and they they were both so young and fresh and like we both looked at each other and we were like time is so weird like we were kids and they were old and now we're old and we're watching this movie yeah (laughs) and they're younger than us i think we are almost to the year the exact same age that they were when they shot that movie but they're playing characters 10 years younger yes they're playing 28 but i think they're both 30 like between 33 and 35 so like yeah our exact age is sitting here right now yeah yeah this was a lot of very 30 somethings playing a lot of very teens and 20 somethings yeah i i i wouldn't have particularly called them out for not being 20 i thought they they did not pass for high school in the flashbacks but i thought they passed for 28 pretty yeah pretty good but this movie is better than i could right now yeah but this movie is so weird that i wonder if they weren't really trying to pass them off as 18 yeah i don't think so flashbacks they weren't really making an effort I've got some insight here. Oh, yes. Okay, yes, yes. Ari did a little research. I watched it and I was like, I can only see one way that this movie could have gotten made. And Ari was like, no, I read something and it's not that. Your comment about like, I wish I could like go back and like experience this in the 90s, but as an adult. And I was like, maybe I'll read some reviews. But then I found an article that Vogue did in like, I don't know, two years ago or something that was a um, three, an oral history. Those yes. are the words. Mm-hmm. Um, an oral history of Romy and Michelle. It's a funny Be- thing to call a magazine article, but sure. It is. Magazine articles love to call themselves oral histories. I feel like the survivor guy for um, entertainment. Okay. Entertainment Weekly. Weekly loves doing that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was like little interviews with all of the people who were in it and the people who created it. And so it was a lot of good insight the history of it, yeah. um, background, is it was originally like a one-act play about two girls at a pickup club um, or pickup bar, which like in the era, in what the a era relic. of Tinder. Yeah, yeah. what a relic. Um, in- this, it was Tinder, but in real life. I don't yes. think, it, it doesn't sound, I don't think that this movie, I don't think it could be very much like what it started as. I don't think so. It was more like that was the origination of the characters and Lisa Kudrow was with it like basically from the beginning. Like the writer wrote as like a groundling or something. Yeah, basically for Lisa Kudrow before she was in Friends. Yeah. Um, And then it was like a semi-successful play in LA and San Francisco for a little bit. Um, And then it was kind of in development hell for a while. But then Clueless came out and was a big hit. And Disney was like, oh, I guess we'll make this. It's probably going to be like Clueless. And and they were hoping that it was going to be like a big budget revenue generator, I guess, like Clueless was. And then it turned out to be really weird. And Disney was like, nah, we're not going to market it. But it is so weird, though. Yes. This movie is 90 minutes long, has a 20-minute dream sequence, and a dream ballet that, that is ha- in real life. That happens in the reality of the movie. It's a loose movie. 90 minutes. It's a loose 90. Yeah, You yeah. called it a flabby 90. <laughs> Before we get into it too much, I think it's worth it to say there's a lot of movies that we watch on this show that we don't like. And there's a lot of movies that we do, but it's been a long time since we watched one that just makes us go... Huh? Yeah, this is a real. This is a. This is one for Tom Waits. Today. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony has a category on the whiteboard. I try not to look at the whiteboard because it stresses you out. Yeah. Well, and I don't. It's for me. It's it's not about category. Everything is its own category. Sure. But there is a category that is just called like most of them are like 
mythologizing Americana, or I think I think I gave us um, semiotics of the post-apocalypse. You did give us semiotics of the post-apocalypse. Like things like that, violent femmes, things like that. And then there's one that's just Tom Waits with a question mark, and it's just Tom Waits and Mulholland Drive. Yes. But I think it has to be this, too. And also, it was the 90s. Oh, oh yes. Very, it was This the 90s. is the most 90s thing. Yes. Yeah, it's giving um, diet culture. Yes, it is. It's giving a lot of diet culture. I think, okay, I think, okay. It's giving before, a lot of calling pretty people ugly. Yes. Not parsing, fat people fat. Yes, parsing, like, what is a desirable person amongst all, like, pretty traditional, mm-hmm. uh, tra- like, Hollywood famouses. Yes. Before we get too into the nitty gritty, I just feel like we, I just want to, like, speak into the space that it's like it's been it's been this long of us not really saying like exactly what we thought of it because i think none of us really know like if you're waiting for us to say whether it's good or bad like keep waiting yeah i was gonna ask you both just straight up did you like it i had a fun time but also i said the word yikes (laughs) every five to ten minutes that's true very yikes there was a lot of yikes and i think more almost uh, yeah I would I would say almost more triggering to me because I I don't just to brag to you all I, I I don't really have like that um rich a history with eating disorders was the uh the looseness of the 90 like I like I just was like is this a screenplay is this what a screenplay is like can you just have like a vague can you just like start scenes with like hey remember that thing we did and then just like describe it to each other and like that's the scene and then start the next scene with like, well, now that we've established our high school memories, yeah. let's make sure that we do the next piece of exposition. Like, are you? can you do that? Can you do that? And uh, in this movie, yes, you can. Apparently, if you say it like, okay, now that we've established uh, yeah. our high school memories, because Mira Sorvino, spoiler alert, talks so strange in this movie. Apparently, this is from the little article. Yes, um, she was making fun of her sister. Okay. I think, and also, I guess her role that she won an Oscar for before starting filming this movie. Yeah, guys, Mira Sorvino has an Oscar. She had had an Oscar (laughs) before making this movie. Yeah, that's wild. Um, she had like a really high voice, and they were like, "Let's get away from that." And so she like worked Mm. on the like low weird voice. Yeah, Mm. I think mostly they were playing with like funny vowels. Yeah. I it's funny you say that because I didn't really think they talked that funny. Mira Sorvino was doing like a little bit more. I was like it's it's imitatable for sure. But like like I don't know if just like California accent has like moved towards that in the intervening years. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, just like I I like it it's not that out of pocket to me and it feels like a real point of the movie like it feels like one of the reasons there's room for nonsense and it can be such a loose 90 is that we're also amused by the way that they speak mm-hmm. and it didn't it wasn't that weird to me yeah it was no uncut jams <laughs> you did say uncut jams a few because, times in the first 20 but though. i felt like because i felt like that's what they were i was like oh that's the joke that they're doing but it is not as funny as the way julia fox just talks that's true. in her regular ass life something i liked about the movie and it is hard for me to say whether i up or down liked it because you're right a lot of it was very yikes Something I did like is that it is a comedy that feels like it was written to have jokes with punchlines. Yeah, but then did it? That's part of what I mean about how loose it was and what is the screenplay. It's like I felt like there were so many things that were like, this is a scene that is a setup for like for like a raucous situation. Like if we take like a bridesmaid, that's another thing that I thought mm, of because yeah. that's like camp women doing camp, like women being broad. But like every scene of bridesmaids, like, you don't get out of a scene without it going to like the farthest it could be pushed. You know what I sure. mean? Sure. That is true. What I was thinking more of is they give Lisa Kudrow most of the jokes. Like when Mira Servino has them do a crash diet in which they try to lose 20 pounds in two weeks. Like we said, there's a lot of diet culture in this movie. And she weighs herself halfway through and is like, oh, I've been exercising so much and I actually gained weight. And Lisa Kudrow goes, oh, but did you subtract 16 pounds for your shoes? 
<laughs> and it is impossible to tell if she does not know how much shoes weigh or if their shoes actually weigh 16 pounds because they are exercising in what look like very heavy platform heels. Yeah, I do think a lot of the humor is really um, is played very straight. Yes. And I appreciated that. But I also sometimes was like, it's been a little while since something I would call a joke for a movie that that's really all it's up to. I've been thinking about like why it had staying powder powder yeah (laughs) staying powder powder. um i got part of of that in my (laughs) bottom of my bag if you want (laughs) (laughs) it means i have cocaine oh staying powder cocaine um, I was like, we in the business too, call that glue? I'm too staying tired. Powder? I want to go home. No, no. Oh, have you some staying powder. Oh. <laughs> None of us do cocaine. Ago. Yes. The, this article that was written just a couple years ago was all of them sort of puzzling over like, huh, this movie that no marketing was put behind and was kind of a flop when it came out, like really means something to people and why? Yeah. And it I, has stuck around. I mean, even at the time, I feel like it certainly uh, we all three of us noticed, like all the 10 year olds noticed it. It definitely benefited from uh, being on VHS and then being played on like TBS and whatnot because it was just mm, yeah. like around and very accessible for a while and like yeah. a female-driven like comedy that there aren't very many of. Yeah. Um, but I think like the vibe is so delightful that you sort of don't need to see the movie more than once because it's like the costumes are fun and look at those two girls and like yeah they're I driving could... around and they have a silly voice and like for camp purposes I feel like that's all you need yeah I feel like it's a great like sleepover movie or like just any environment where you're like talking through it also or like even like at a bar silently you'd miss their funny voices but like yeah no, this um, could be great it's in the background. Very, yeah, it's it's a it's a great background movie. I, I will say that for it. I do wish I'd seen um, Trixie and Katya do it. Sure. Apparently, Peaches Christ directed them in it at the Castro, and that mm. would be delightful. The Castro, <clears throat> listeners, is a historic theater in San Francisco where drag queens put on progressively longer and longer pre-shows of movies before screening said movies. And it has now gotten to the point where they just reenact basically the whole movie. Who was who? I'm trying to do it in my mind. I feel like it should be obvious, but it's not actually obvious yeah, to me. Yeah, it isn't obvious to me. Because there's not one of them that's like... They're not like, a Bert and Ernie. Right. Like, like... Who's the Mary and who's the Ethel? Rhoda. Rhoda. Yeah, I know. It also Sidebar, really... that's a joke that completely went yeah, over my head and they spent know. so long yeah, on that. Is that a I Mary really Tyler bad. Moore show know. joke? Oh, yeah, I think it is. Actually. Yeah. But that, it, that right. took me a really long time. I mean, till this very moment. Trixie is the, like... Has sort her shit together? Of, yeah, like, like, like high femme-driven one. Mm-hmm. And Katya is the weird one with staying powder in her bag. Right. But, like, who is, how does that map? I mean, if I were casting it, my knee jerk is that I would make, well, fuck. I was so close to saying I would make Trixie uh, Lisa Kudrow. Okay, I think see, that's right. Okay, it probably is. But, then it's probably if, right. we're, if we're talking about. I would about make Katya Lisa Kudrow just because those are the ones of their pairs that I identify with more. Sure. <laughs> And if we're talking about who is able to just, like, throw away a joke line better, they're both good at it, but I think Katya is better at it. Yeah. Trixie likes to make it land. This was another thing that changed from the play version to the movie version, is it was supposed to be, like, there's a tall one and a short one. Mm. Like, they were supposed to be more contrasting, and then they ended up with, like, twinsies. Oh, right, which is why Janine Garofalo oh, was reading for Romy yes. initially. Yes, you were saying one of them was almost Janine Garofalo. Yes. And then, Who is still in this movie. Yes. And, they, and then and they wrote is, a part for her. Yes, and she's so great and charming. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's another thing. Like, besides all the, like, weird body dysmorphia, I, it just really brought me back to, like, what a reality it was. Like, what a what a hard line there was in the 90s around Janine Garofalo being a gross troll yeah it was like 
like even her comedy was like, I'll never be pretty. And that's what's funny about me. Mm -hmm. And I, as a baby lesbian, was like, what am I missing? Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I've never understood those jokes about Janine Garofalo. Well, I think that was what was so like terrifying of like, is this what womanhood is? Because Janine Garofalo is like really delightful and like very normal, but in like a smart and funny way. Yeah. And like cute and symmetrical. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like, it's like, sorry, if we have to do better than that, like I, I don't, I can't. Yeah. Are we just, it's just eyeliner. Just don't wear eyeliner, but then other people wear eyeliner and it's hot. What's going on? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's like, don't be short. And if you are, get plastic surgery. Don't have dark colored hair. Well, it's it's very (laughs) wild to me that the two like, quote unquote, gross troll people in this movie are Janine Garofalo and Alan Cumming. Sure. Yeah. Who's like such a delight. And like of all these people in this, all these famouses in this movie, this movie is full of famous people who are still famous. Yeah. Um, I feel like Alan Cumming, I don't know, kind of comes out on top of everybody in 2023. I mean, yeah. He, But also, yeah. Alan Cumming, like, a year after this movie came out, he starred in Cabaret. He had to be so sexy in Cabaret, and he was so good at it that they had him do it again 10 years later. Like, why did we think that Alan Cumming was, like... Like but a unless, little man. But again, unless that's part of the point of the movie of just, like... No, I don't think it is. I think that is just what it was the 90s. I think that's just what the 90s were. I really don't think, I think, I do think that it's camp, but I don't think that it's satire. Sure, that is a good point. To that point, can we talk a little bit about how they keep saying that Mira Sorvino is fat in this movie? Sure, or she used to be fat, or like she's not the cute one, or... uh... Yeah, she was the chubby one in high school. Yeah. And they gave her like... A little bit of a spare tire. Which they mostly hit on. Yeah, mostly hit under a blazer. And then the joke about Lisa Kudrow is that she wears a back brace, which is like, I feel like they did that whole thing just so they could have Mira Sorvino say scoliosis. Yes. (laughs) One of the writers or someone who worked on the movie did have a back brace like that. And so I think it was like, oh, everybody was like, oh, here's like what made me miserable in high school. And like, let's put it in the movie. Except for Janine Garofalo, who was like, I actually had a really great high school experience. I had more trouble in college. Oh, I did like the sound designer of this movie deserves some kudos because every time uh, Lisa Kudrow moved in the back brace, it would go, yeah, which was pretty funny. (laughs) Mira Sorvino does a lot of queer baiting in this movie, or at least her character is. Oh, um, like 20 minutes in, you turned to me and you were like, is this what queer baiting is? Like five minutes in, but I certainly wouldn't hang it on Mira Sorvino. No, not her, but um, Romy, the character, I think is very queer baity. To me, it's it, okay. My sort of opinion of it as a professional queer so far that I've been able to discern. I'm like, I don't know if I think that's real. Mm-hmm. At, at, at this time in history with the media that we're talking about. I think there is homophobia. And then I think there's eh, confusion. And like, I, I don't want people to make content that's homophobic. And I don't really care if it's a little confused. And I don't think that there's anything like unethical about that. And if things that are not gay want to be a little gay... Like, I don't really have a problem with that as it is now. And if things want to be a little ashamed of being gay, then that's homophobia and it's a different problem. What I like about the ambiguity in this movie is like the the male love interests are all so silly sure. and like really not that important. Yeah, yeah it is very, um, it really like passes the Bechdel test. Like it, and it's, uh, guys, apparently the Bechdel test was originally designed to, uh, like the original question that it was answering is how easy is it to imagine that this thing is gay? Oh. Not is this feminism. But if you think about it, the questions are the same. 
do the two women talk about something other than men? Because then I could imagine that maybe they're interested in each other. If that is something I am interested in imagining into a story. Mm-hmm. And I think you could do a lot of imagining with this. So from my like sort of general feeling of like, I think I don't care about queer baiting. Like this movie came on and I was like, oh, maybe this is what people are talking about that they have a problem with. That it's like, because it's not like someone being a little silly with their personal life and being like, I'm trying something on for size right now. It's like, it feels like a very intentional misdirection. Mm-hmm. like for the purpose of like bringing people in who might not watch the movie otherwise and then like not actually serving that audience because you don't want to lose your other audience. You know what I mean? Like then now I understand what it is. Is this movie um, gay but not queer? Because it's a little like fabulous Lady Barbie dolls. Yeah. Being like weird and goofy. Yeah. I think think it's queer it's certainly like queer culture yes it's queer culture but not just because it's been adopted by like it it, like because it was trying to be i think yeah it's got that it's got that like campy sort of cheesy really weird vibe that like gen x drag queens sometimes lean into in a way that like sometimes really works and sometimes really doesn't we've also as a household been talking a lot about oh my god shoes yes Mm. it's it's very in conversation with oh my god shoes to me in a gay way so i'm i'm not prepared to say that it's not queer but i am prepared to say that it's not really like serving the community Like, I think it's fun for queers, but not good for queers. Is it, like, not sapphic? Like, it's not for gay women, but it's for gay men and how gay men like to think about women? Yeah, yes, yes, definitely. The, like, the, like, dress-up aspect, the, like, Mm -hmm. sort of, um, yeah, like, paper doll aspect of it is very, very for gay men, I think. I think it is trying to be a little bit sapphic but in a way that now feels like weak sauce to me yeah and i think even at the time what if i'd picked up on it when i was 10 which i didn't because it's it's not very overt but there's just like they have some you just could imagine it if you wanted to they have some like some like pretty intimate conversation like the way that they talk about each other and like observe each other's bodies and like sleep in the same room in twin beds right next to each other yes yeah 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 and like very burton ernie <laughs> yeah yes 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 that's very burton ernie and then the like what was the part where like way later when you were like yes this is queer baiting one of them was like was like oh my god like yes please spank me something Oh, it wasn't spank me. Yeah, it wasn't that obvious. But it was like it was like it was like, wow, I love how you're like taking charge. Yeah. And it was, was like pretty loaded. Like the camera, the angles were very like like romance front, front scene. center. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was when um, Michelle goes to Romy is like, you need to get your shit together. And Romy's like, I like this side of you. And I was like, oh, this just unlocked something for Romy, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then it but then it's like. I like that it's about female friendship and I think yeah. that's nice. But I think if there were no movies about lesbians at all, except where they die, I would probably have found this pretty like baiting. Yeah. <laughs> I would have felt bait and switched. One thing that I think we observed about this movie is that like the plot does not make any sense if it were remade right now. Because it's like two women in their late 20s who aren't married and don't have kids and like have shitty or no jobs and some like disposable income to wear silly clothes. And that's like shocking and embarrassing for their 10 year high school reunion. And I feel like that's just like life for most people in their late 20s in the 2020s. Yeah, to me, like just like the fact that they have a sick apartment in Venice on the beach. Yes, and a stable relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. And like awesome like, clothes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, and they 
they're having i mean the ultimate conclusion of the movie is that like it doesn't matter because they're enjoying their lives but like that was just so clear to me from the first second of it i was like like there's a little scene where they do like a synchronized dance like out at the club and like they just seemed it's like they seem to really like be enjoying each other's company and their dumb like things that they get up to and like i was like how great for you guys and then like the whole conflict like the 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 driving the engine of the movie is that like they're absolutely not doing good enough and i think they are doing yeah like you said just like we all wish yeah no it's true and to your point the other thing about this movie that would not make sense if it was remade now is that the entire conceit their scheme for their high school reunion is they're gonna tell everyone that they invented post-its because they were like, nobody knows who invented Post-Its. Because this movie oh, came out in 1997 yes, before I had a smartphone. Yes, I also thought that too in the in the moment. It's I like was a like, real oh, pre-internet plot. Yes, and but like just before, it's like it's like thirsty for social media. It's yes. like it's like a movie. Like the answer to this movie is invent Facebook. Yes, that is true. Like one of them is like, oh, and I think it's Romy is like, and when we get there, I'm going to tell everyone that I have a phone. And she's a flip phone. A flip phone. And it's like a foot long. Yeah, it's a fucking hot dog of a phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The phone, the phone prop is amusing. Pretty funny. Apparently they do want to do a sequel. That's their like 30 year high school reunion and most of the cast at the at the end of this article was like oh i'd be super down i mean they did wet hot american summer that's true i think that'd be fun it's like it'll probably be bad but like i would go see it yeah and like and like that just tells me that everybody had a great time like yeah oh everyone seemed like they were having so much fun let women make movies like why i just feel like i always like when do you hear about people like like a whole set full of people being like uh it was miserable like Mm-hmm. Like every time you let a woman make a movie, everyone's like, "That was so fun!" Like I, I then unless just don't worry, darling. The director yeah. was a man. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yes, who no, I almost knew that quit the project because he was getting too many notes. Mm. Okay, he was a Simpsons so, writer. So the oh. director, so the director was kind of the writer then. It sounds like. Well, and then the actual actual writer, um, they, so the director like left the project for a while and then the actual writer got to do like her version of an edit. And there was just a lot of like editing hell because they were like, this movie does not make any sense. Well, because it doesn't. Yeah, Yeah. it really doesn't. What they shot doesn't. Yeah. I mean, that's really on them. Yeah. But it did seem like fun. I was not bored. No, I like, stayed the whole time. When I'm bored <laughs> in a movie, I will just leave and go to bed. I I wouldn't call it bored, but I was a little like outside myself for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't invested. There wasn't an outcome that I wanted, especially. I was not at the edge of my seat. No. I, I do wonder why this didn't hit for me whenever I saw it when I was younger because, like, it is totally the kind of thing that, like, I should have really nostalgic feelings about. Like, I love the movie Newsies, and that's also, like, a pretty bad movie, but I like it because it's bad. I think it's just maybe, like, a little too weird and too, like, um, sardonic, perhaps, for, like, 10-year-old you. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I think they also make a lot of jokes about what life was like in the 80s that aren't just visual gags, like the Marion Rhoda thing. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of the movie is which of them is a Marion, which of them is a Rhoda. And, like, if you don't know that, you're like, what the... F-? Like, you could get into, like, some of the visual gags, which we didn't even talk about. There are some solid visual gags in this movie, like when uh, Lisa Kudrow gets hit by that limousine. Yes, that was wild. That was very funny. I feel like there's a couple like fun one-liners like when she's like, I think it's Lisa Kudrow again, but I could be wrong. It's trying to get away from someone and she's like, oh, sorry, I just remembered my shoe is filling up with blood or something. Yes. Mira Sorvino says that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think just they've just both turned into Lisa Kudrow in my mind. Or that when she goes on stage and she's like, sorry, I couldn't find my shirt. Or yeah, something. I couldn't like, find my top and everyone just cheers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like she can't find her shirt and then she goes on stage in just a bra and says into the microphone, sorry couldn't find my shirt i thought that was pretty funny 
And I feel like Kid Me probably thought that those moments were funny. But then, like, the, the, the things that strung those pearls together were just so far outside my experience. Mm-hmm. And, like, the stakes of it. Like, because why did I like Clueless but not this? It's, like, because in Clueless, it's still about, like, childish friendships. Like, every scene had, like, stakes that I could understand. Clueless is, like, a really good plot. Like, it's a fun, well-made movie that's also sort of candy-looking like this. Yeah. And I think Legally Blonde, similarly, is, like, a pretty fun, like, well-told story that's also pretty candy-looking. And, like, those are fun things in a movie. Yeah. I guess maybe Kid Me cared more about, like, story than I would have thought. It's, it's like the the movie is a log line. Yeah. Do I know what a log line is? But like if you... <laughs> I'm not in movies. You can say what this movie is really fast. Like two ditzy women realize that their lives are terrible and they need to lie at their 10-year high school reunion and things work out. And there's hijinks along the way. Yeah. Like the beats all from that like whatever, 100,000-foot view, the beats make sense, but then there's just so much weird in the flashbacks and the dream sequences and the dance sequences, and, like, there's just a lot of weird. and it honestly kind of moves pretty slow. Yeah, they don't go that many places and do that many things. Yeah. Like, they fully go to the reunion twice. Yeah, I guess that's what I mean about, like, I like if it had been made a few years later, like, every joke idea of the scene would have been, like, pushed so much farther. Like, it's not, it wouldn't be funny enough to just, like, pull over on the side of the highway and yell at each other and then get back in the car and keep driving. Mm-hmm. Like, they would have to shit in the street. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it just felt like there were a lot of scenes that were, like, there's a line where it's, like, oh, sorry, I just remembered my shoes filling up with blood. And it's, like, that's pretty funny. But it's like, no, no, it ha- it has to go until, like, there's a colonial woman on the wing. I'm just making bridesmaids jokes now. Yeah. You know what we haven't talked about at all? We've made reference to it, but what the fashion of this movie is? Because I feel like it is... You, we can't talk about this movie responsibly without talking about the fashion no, of this no. movie. No, no, and that's, so like distinct. An, that's, like, another main thing of the... That's another one of my main questions. <laughs> and part of the staying power yeah, yes. is totally. that I think it's like fashion inspo. And it was the um, more information from this article. The same costume designer as Clueless yeah. was on this movie. Um, but they had less of a big budget. And so it's an interesting mix of like a couple designer pieces. But then a lot of like thrift shopping around LA. And that like these two women have like they are fashion people on a low budget and so they don't fit into the like high fashion category or mall rat category they really are which apparently were things at the time um but they really are doing their own thing which feels very contemporary yeah no that Mm -hmm. was really helpful background for me because that was another thing that I sort of couldn't parse while we were watching it that I was like I wish I could be in the time because I thought they looked great I loved everything that they wore and like another one of the conceits of the movie besides that their lives are not enough (laughs) is that like they're a little bit embarrassing and that like there's something that they should sort of like address or clean up about their presentation I was like, wait, what am I supposed to think? Because I think they they look like my memory of what is cool in 1997. In that way, it's like very legally blonde because yeah. like uh, Reese Witherspoon's character, Elle Woods, obviously, um, has her own like very candy personal style. And like that's a major plot point in Legally Blonde is like, oh, you have to tone it down. No one will take you seriously. But at the end, that's she's true. like, no, th- like this is me. This is who I am. That's true, but it is not. Maybe it's just that I was a little older and I had a little more handle of it when I saw it, but it might also be that the movie does a better job of sort of articulating the different like fashion casts. But it's like, it's clear to me in Legally Blonde that it's like she is doing style, just not like respectability. You know what I mean? Like, like it's style, but it's the wrong style. But it's like, like we, we never think that she isn't fashionable. We just think that she isn't serious. 
But in Romy and Michelle, I was like, I just wasn't sure what to do with it. I was like, wait, am I supposed to think these clothes are ugly? Because I don't. But it feels like the movie wants me to. I'm drawing a connection right now, again, with Legally Blonde. That it's a fish out of water, like, L.A. girl goes to Harvard. And, like, she was totally fashionable in L.A. But then she goes to Harvard. And it feels like we – I guess we don't really see them – be told that their fashion isn't good when they're in LA but it's when they go home to Arizona that everyone's like ew weirdos yeah maybe I just don't know enough about Arizona although we do see them in LA wearing let's call it contextually inappropriate clothing like when they're wearing platform heels to exercise yes I did get that that was a joke that they were wearing the wrong thing to exercise I did get that but it also didn't seem that wrong to me <laughs> yeah because I feel like the jazzercise of the era or like I don't, I don't know like when I think of exercising in no like that's the what I thought but I felt 80s. like but I felt like the movie was saying look how ridiculous these girls are because they wore chunky heels on the treadmill like I understood that cue because like you don't wear heels on a treadmill but like no I felt the same as like they're little like cropped zip up shirts I was like yes jazzercise but I think inside the movie they were doing too much or the wrong thing or like too flash I don't know right I mean it's the the only way that it makes sense to like make one of the climactic lines of the movie Lisa Looper going you know those clothes are not bad is only if everyone else thinks they're so bad Lisa Looper for all of you guys is uh, the potential stepmother in the parent trap. What were we saying about her? Oh, yes, her whole, her, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a big moment when she's like, those clothes are okay. And I am a Vogue lady. Yeah. And also, circling back to queer baiting, like, that character is obviously oh, a lesbian. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they instead they just call her a career woman because it's 1997. But she has, like, short hair. She is the only woman in this movie wearing a pantsuit, and that includes Janine Garofalo. She also, she also gives... Romy and Michelle, like, like a pretty thorough, like, up, down, up. Yes, she does. Not that I'm She's given him real come on up and see me sometime face. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. That made me think that the movie was telling me that they have terrible clothes, but I think their clothes are cute. It's just another thing that I found confusing. And I just think, I mean, I guess, I guess we stand on the shoulders of giants. And, like, that's what makes Legally Blonde so good. But it's like... It's so clear to me, like, the difference between doing a great job at being in a sorority and doing a great job at being in Harvard. Like, I, like I'm like i sure the realities are much muddier than that, but, like, I understood why Elwood's was fashionable in one context and not in another context. But the difference between 1997 LA and 1997 Tucson was just a little, like, I just, I didn't, it was hard for me. Yeah, I mean, they don't draw a super strong line either in the movie. Like you said, everyone thinks that their clothes in Tucson are bad, but we only see the people in Tucson in high school when it's the 80s and everyone's clothes are weird. But I think it's to do with, like, the clothes are not, like, grown up. Like, I think it's like, oh, we stayed in Tucson and we became 30. And had three babies. And Yeah, and now and now we wear chiffon. Yeah. Like, all like, of those could, pregnant I women could, were in full 90s. Yeah, like, I could see the difference between the clothes that they were wearing and what other people were wearing. It's just, like, I, I felt like if someone walked into my 10-year reunion that way, I'd be like, that's so fetch. Can we talk about the dream ballet? Sure, just, yeah. So in this, we keep calling it the dream ballet, but there is a dream sequence in this, and there is a ballet, yeah, there's, and there's they are separate dream. sequences. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's just a full choreographed ballet number with Romeo and Michelle and Alan coming to Cindy Lauper's Time After Time, and it's very fun to watch. And as you pointed out, it's very easy to tell that Mira Servino was a ballerina, and Lisa Kudrow was in Groundlings. Yeah. <laughs> She's more of a mover. Yeah, 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 yeah. I felt like it was one of the more successful moments of the movie, to be honest. It feels very like the wedding singer or like, she was all that, like movies that are like, let's just have a little dance number. Yeah. Which was also a very late 90s thing. Yeah, it's like, it didn't really make any sense. Like, we're calling it a dream ballet because it's like, like, we just had such an extended dream sequence where it was like, oh, these things are, it's working out too well, like. 
like people know things that they couldn't have known and then it's like well back to real life here's like a dance that these three people who have not talked about this before like i'll just spontaneously do together like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's thank god we're not in a dream anymore it was like yeah the difference between dream life and real life was not very uh yes uh porous you could only tell because i well not even the um lisa kudrow getting hit by the limo because i think we were like i guess that would happen in this movie this is a weird movie well but that did happen no no, it didn't she happen. fell asleep in the car. Cameron Mannheim um, levitated. Yes, and like, and then the cars were on the inside, and Lisa Kudrow knew the word emulsifying. Yes, that's right. She knew the formula for glue. Yeah, the says. formula for glue, which apparently um, is not that, but the actual guy who made post-its um, loves this movie. Okay. Oh, amazing. So delighted. Yeah. Art Fry? Yeah, Art Fry. They interviewed him for the article, and he was like, ah, it's great. I People reference it to me all the time. Nice oh, I touch. love it. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, scoliosis, like, I really think they were just trying to get Mira Sorvino to say as many O's as they possibly could. Mm-hmm. Post-its. Post-its. When they fly off in the helicopter at the end of this movie, it is Romy and Michelle and Sandy who Alan have- Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming. Were we supposed to understand that they all went off and fucked? Or is that just like, are we being throuple baited as well as queer baited yeah, here? Yes, I think we're being throuple baited. Okay. Because Mira Sorvino was into the beer gut. Billy Christensen? Yeah. Yeah. But she was already like, no, by the time she got in the helicopter. Yeah. I don't know. And then and then and then also like I guess Alan Cummings' money, like they they spend his money opening like a cute boutique. Yeah, I think he gives them a And big it's loan. like, is he Lisa Kudrow's boyfriend or did he just do that? Like right. unclear, not important. Not important. Not a priority. What matters is that they are not mad at each other anymore and they're like yeah. And they have and, like a little business together and that's cute. Yeah, and I I guess I did like as in Frozen, I liked that that was like the point of the story. Yeah. But also it's like, but was it a good story? <laughs> I just made this connection in my head a couple minutes ago. It is not as turned up at, to 11 as this other movie, but it kind of reminds me of Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Yes. Uh, did you watch that? No, I did not. But it kind of reminds me of Dude, Where's My Car? The article mentioned like this is the female like dumb and dumber Beavis and Butthead. Like that yeah, universe. that's a helpful image. Those are helpful mm-hmm. images to me. But even that, like, Dumb and Dumber. I think this same friend had me watch Dumb and Dumber with them. And for whatever reason, I have a much clearer memory in my mind of Dumb and Dumber. Yes, because because this movie, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, is very difficult to keep in your mind, I yeah. think. Like, even as I was watching it, I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. As like, you said, there are lines that stick. There are sequences that stick. But the... Mm, overall story right and it's not enough sequences that it is a lot it's too many vibes i feel like dumb and dumber it's like they get into the situations and then like every little thing they do like becomes a whole big production and i wonder if a lot of that was budget in this yeah yeah it was pretty low budget yeah Wayne's World. Didn't you also say Wayne's yes. World? Yes. That's, that's closer real. to me because yeah. Wayne's World does sometimes get in just like little eddies of like, of like. Surrealism. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And just like, just like the joke is vibes. And blo- it's blown up sketch characters too. Yeah. Yes. That's a good point. Yeah. Because you said this was a one act play, but like the amount of air between a, a sketch and a one act play is way smaller than the amount of air between a one-act play and a movie. Yeah. So are we any closer to knowing whether we like this movie? (laughs) I think I am happy to have refreshed my memory, and so I'll, like, know references, and I'm happy that it exists, but I don't need to, like, revisit it for at least another decade. Yeah. Okay, so... If someone came up to you, I'll just pose this to you, Ari. If someone came up to you at a party and started talking about Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion as their favorite movie, how would you react? I think if they were like me with Newsies, like, I love this movie. It's like kind of bad and weird and I feel nostalgic about it and it's delightful. I'd be like, I love that for you. Because like I will tell people my favorite movie is Newsies and feel great about that. Mm-hmm. What do you think? <laughs> I 
don't know. I'm trying to think what I tell people my favorite movie is. Titanic, I guess, which I guess is also kind of a joke. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be. I a, guess everyone's favorite movie is kind of a joke. It wouldn't be a red flag to me if someone no, was certainly like, oh, not. it's Romeo and Michelle's high school uh, Yeah, I, 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 think, I think I would say. I would say I love that for you. Yeah, I think I, I think it's a green flag. I would worry that I was um, starting a conversation with like an improviser. Sure. <laughs> I can see. I, I can't articulate why that makes perfect sense to me, but it does, and I understand. Because like groundlings. Because I just feel like if that's what you. I mean, like this. This is what this question is, right? Like if that is the movie. Like, if the icebreaker question is, what is your favorite movie? And this movie is someone's answer out of every movie. Not, do you like this movie? But out of every movie, I have chosen this. Mm -hmm. I feel like you are going to be a person that's a little bit extra. Sure. Yeah. I would question your taste overall. Like, what is really the quality of, like, your like story chains in your mind <laughs> you know what i mean mm -hmm. like what like how's your how's your listening comprehension yeah and it isn't it would be interesting to me that someone would pick this movie when as you pointed out earlier clueless exists yes or legally blonde yeah or but but it is like campy er and it's yeah. and it's two women who talk to each other and the men don't matter at all like clueless is still the story of like getting attention from men that is true like it's like it's like we have these female friendships and the point of them is to be better at getting attention from men and i really appreciated about this that they did not care at all yeah <laughs> like, they were like oh sandy's hot now good cool yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, the only, like, real stakes we see for them is their friendship. And I, like, that's nice. Mm -hmm. What did we watch? Um, fucking where she lights her tongue on fire? Jennifer's body. Yes. It's like that for me. It's like, why isn't it working? There's a lot of things. Okay, so I think I am closer to whether I know that I like it. And it's like, I really wanted to. I did too. And I still want to. Yeah. But I, I don't know that I can fully, I don't know that it actually hangs together, but it, it's got a lot going for it. Yeah. I think that's a good way to describe it. I've been struggling with this question for like, ever since we turned the movie off. Yeah. <laughs> Is it in your curriculum? Because I'm like, like I had fun watching it because I was having fun hanging out with Lucy Kudrow for 90 minutes and Janine Garofalo. But was it, a meaningful value add of an experience? I don't know. But if you were like, hey, Anthony, what is a movie that exemplifies the 90s? I would be like Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. It has every yeah. 90s trope at once. Yeah. If the curriculum is like help Gen Z understand what the 90s were like. Yeah. As people who barely remember the 90s no they don't if they tell you they that's oh no i'm saying myself is a oh. person who barely remembers the I, I remember the last third pretty clearly i think yeah same once the clinton impeachment started i was i feel like i was pretty <laughs> yes uh yes. keyed in yes yes monica Lewinsky motivated me to care about current events <laughs> and a little bit oj i would say but i'm older than you my question is always we're so binary about it honestly my my question is is usually more like what curriculum is it in right like if we're talking about the class it was the 90s which is on the yes, board then like, i would say this is this is a high priority yeah exactly it has to be yeah but if you're talking about like movies from the 90s that you should watch because they're guaranteed good times it's not as high on the list. Yeah, like if someone was like, I would like to watch a good movie from the 90s, I would say Clueless. Yeah. But if someone was like, I would like to watch a movie that will help me explain what the fuck is wrong with millennials <laughs> or anyone who survived the 90s, mm -hmm. I would say watch this for sure. Yes, yeah. Like before Clueless. Like, like it is, there's something like even more 90s about it to me. Yes. That is, that is what because I think. Because there is, there to. was also in the 90s, was there not also just kind of a like random is the funniest? Like the best thing you can be is so random. So random. No, like surrealism was for its own sake was funny in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, like awkward humor. Although this movie isn't super awkward. No, I guess it's not, but it I guess I'm conflating it with cringy. Take, it's not cringy, I don't think. Yeah. 
it's cringy in the context of now. Like, I feel like I cringed a bunch. I guess the, like, a lot of the body stuff is very cringy. Oh, yeah. But it's not, but it's like, not like, cringe like, comedy. Me, yeah. Yeah. It's like, yikes. Yeah. 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 It's very yikesy. Yikes. It's very yikesy. Yeah. But, yeah, but that is part of why, because I don't think Clueless mentions weight loss at all. And, like, that's part of why I'm saying, like, in some ways it's more quintessential of the time to me. Because, mm-hmm. like, I think that is, like... A big part of it. An experience of being women in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, what curriculum is it in? And, like, what what is it important to teach? Like, is it like what womanhood is supposed to be? Yeah. Like, conceptualizations of womanhood through the years? This would be an interesting moment in time, like yeah. you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and I and and that's another thing that I I would I would choose this before some of the other movies that we're talking about because it's showing demonstrate. like different kinds of womanhood. Like here are your options. It's ninety whatever it is ninety six ninety seven ninety seven. Yeah. Like your options are ditzy L A bimbos sort of. Yeah. Uh, your options are like mother. Your options are like career woman or your options are like sardonic Janine Garofalo or Cameron Mannheim yeah Mm -hmm. or frumpy yeah like yeah and it is but that's like several types that we just like that it's a it, it is actually a pretty sophisticated discussion of like like female identities yeah. <laughs> like 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 the different archetypes of womanhood that were happening at the time yeah 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 like 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 even in Legally Blonde, it's like there's two. You can be two women, or maybe Jennifer Coolidge. You can be like hot bimbo. You can be smart girl, or you can be like white trash. Are those the options? Yeah, I in yes, Legally I think Blonde? I think those are the things described in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Like even even in that, like Reese Witherspoon and Selma Blair are at odds. Right, but then uh, Reese Witherspoon is uh, uh, allied with Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, and it's I think bimbo solidarity, even though the class solidarity yes. should be between yes. Reese Witherspoon and Selma Blair. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, like in in Romeo and Michelle, there's a a much more exaggerated sort of like pecking order, and there's more situations that bring out kind of like oh, these are the times when, when these two archetypes will align against another one. You know what I mean? Like, like, like there are moments where Janine Garofalo is on their team and then moments where she's not. Mm-hmm. This feels like it's very the, like, motherhood career woman dichotomy and, like, that's actually where the war is. Because ultimately, by the end, I feel like all of the not mothers are like aligned with each other. Sure, sure, That's sure. true. That's yes, a good point. that is true. But I also feel like between Romeo and Michelle and Janine Garofalo, they sort of describe at least two and kind of almost two and a half because like Lisa Kudrow doesn't really like doesn't seem very driven <laughs> mm-hmm. like other ways to be that are outside of both of those things like neither of them none of those people are going to be editors at Vogue none of those people are like quick let me get pregnant by the end of the movie um so what do we do with this movie then <laughs> I guess we just sort of like like you I guess it's back to what you said I we just throw it in the Tom Waits category yeah, this is bringing up a lot of it's bringing up a lot of deep questions for me about like what is the curriculum for. <laughs> it started from like should you actually be embarrassed if someone makes you feel embarrassed that you don't know this thing? Should you do we agree that you should yeah. feel embarrassed about it? And I'm going to say no, you don't need to be embarrassed, but maybe kind of a little bit actually. Just like give it a watch. Just give it a watch like, or it's like even be just a like fun and interesting time yeah for you. you're gonna have a great flabby 90 minutes yeah 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 put it on while you're doing something yeah and like listen nails. to their funny voices paint your nails that would paint be your a... nails yeah and like look Do at their like silly fashions so yeah because because as we were saying before if someone tries to talk to you about this movie like you're gonna feel glad that you can talk to that person yes if Agreed. you like listening to us you're gonna feel glad you can talk to a person who brings this movie up yeah i agree with that Okay, well, I guess that sums it up. 
question mark? Yeah, it's it's I, a pretty indescribable movie. It's hard to categorize, but I no, feel like we've, uh, we've done what we can. Yeah, there's no there's no summing. Yeah, I don't think so. There are no easy answers when it comes to Romeo and Michelle's yes, high school yes, reunion. Yes, that is that's the takeaway. Where can they find you on TikTok? At Trash Analysis. Ari, do you want to plug anything? No. <laughs> okay. Anyway, you can find me on TikTok and Twitter at Anxious Archfey, and you can find the show on all the socials at Sophisticate Pod. Uh, please continue to like and rate and review and subscribe and tell your friends and all of those fun things. We will be back in a couple of weeks, but until then, that about does it here for I'm a Sophisticate and so can you. Until next time, good night and good luck. <laughs>